0: I'm Alan and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her, and you are listening to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. happy target snarket tuesday i am the creative divinity and digital gremlin kaylee
1: and i am the broad project manager owen
0: you're the worst (laughs) (laughs) listen i can't
1: you can't force creativity
0: If this is your first time listening in, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy our thoughts. And if you're joining us again, welcome back and thank you for not getting tired of our voices. Uh, Make sure to like and subscribe to wherever you're enjoying today's episode because we need to feed the engagement monster, please. And thank you. Thank you. Danielle's not here again. (laughs) (laughs) The boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. Uh, We have the reins of today's episode yet again. Um, So we hope you enjoy our time together, and maybe someday Danielle will come back to us. Yeah, she's at war right now. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah,
1: I have her. (laughs) I have a photo of her in a little locket um, that I look at every day. After I
0: (laughs) I look out my window, my little widow's peak. I just hope and pray one day she'll come here. <laughs> uh, now, before we get in the meat and potatoes of today's podcast, I wanted to talk about something that I read on the internet today. Um, so it, I saw it on LinkedIn first and then I kept reading. But uh, TikTok just announced a new feature that will be rolling out in the coming weeks that will automatically limit the screen time of people 18 and under to 60 minutes a day. So that means teenagers, they'll hit the limit and then they'll be asked to enter in their passcode to keep watching. And Yes, by the way, uh, they can entirely disable this feature, teenagers can. And if they do so and they spend more than 100 minutes on TikTok after disabling it, they'll be prompted to send a new limit. So this is a part of a new update for their parental controls that they're calling family pairing. And on the app, uh, it's presenting parents a dashboard of mm. your children's time spent on the app. I haven't seen anything about what they're watching, which is good, but how often they open it, details of how much they are spending during the day and night. What are your thoughts on this new update?
1: This is so big brother, like in so so many layers of it, but it does make sense. I'm just thinking about how they asked for everybody to verify their age. Remember we talked about that newsletter, like maybe a couple months ago when that was rolled out. I feel like this is like good PR for TikTok in a way. Like I understand the effort here and like um, social media and kids is like such a hot topic Mm -hmm. and like, I'm not a parent. So, take this with like a huge salt lamp, but like, I feel like if I were a parent, I would rather have a conversation with my kids, me, not TikTok, you know? That's true. Yeah. Like little humans with like real life brains that were teaching about life, love, and the Lord above or whatever, and explain (laughs) like setting personal boundaries, like boundaries for yourself with yourself, if that makes sense. And like, Maybe this tool like will help aid that in a way, right? Like, oh, hey, you can use TikTok to set your own boundaries. But like, I why put that on TikTok? First of all, mm-hmm. it, it being automatic is like annoying and kind of easy to disregard. And like, couldn't you just have that conversation? Like, I notice sometimes after you spend lots, lots of time on your phone, you snap at me and it hurts my feelings. Is something bothering you that you see online? that's like one option or like I miss spending time with you with you like could you dedicate an hour after school with me like there's just so many other things other than like monitoring and limiting automatically a kid's time on on TikTok and it feels like more of an opportunity to like engage with your little human on a subject that's really important about being a human
0: yeah Am
1: I making any sense? I feel like I'm like rambling. No, no, no.
0: I think that makes total sense of absolutely like our parents just not wanting to talk to their kids about like, you're spending a lot of time online. It's not like necessarily a good thing to be online. I think my biggest thing is, you know, we grew up when we were younger of having MySpace and Zanga accounts, but... My parents were never the parents that were like, I need the password to anything that you create. And I know there were people that would take advantage of that scenario of your parents like trusting you online. But when I started, like, first of all, the first thing my parents would do as soon as I acted out as a teenager was take away my technology. Which I think that's the best thing to do. It's like take it away and be like, look, there's things outside of it. I know people will complain that it's like their property or whatever, but I think that's honestly better than this weird dashboard of being like knowing every minute your kid is online. Why? Yeah. And that just seems like it's going to start an argument first rather than a conversation of like you're spending too much time online.
1: And like, have you, I don't know if your folks ever read your diary as a kid, but like mine did. And like, I I am 35 years old and talking about it on a podcast. Let's just say that. Like, it has that little bit of squick to it. Do you like that? That reference (gasps) is episode (laughs) something. (laughs) one <laughs> episode one good no plug.
0: episodes
1: <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> no I think yeah I just I think your kid needs to have their thing like if they're on tiktok or I think you should be able to see what they're posting um I don't think they should like block you in any way but having that extra layer of like being able to see all of that or um, I mean unless it if you're going to be quiet about it, like, if I was going to be a sneaky parent, I would just be like, oh, my kid's watching a lot of TikToks at night. And I'll be like, you're so crabby during the day. I just am going to take your phone so you sleep better at night. I would yeah. not tell them straight up that I'm watching them. But also, are people like even... Are te- I guess, are teenagers really putting in their right birthdays? I That's the thing, too. It's like how are they
1: verifying this anyway you could just be like I'm over 18 like I I don't know I was
0: from I was born in 1985 for the longest time just because of the song (laughs) but it was my goat's YouTube birthday here for a
1: while yeah I mean and I even said that it feels like a PR stunt it feels like Mm -hmm. maybe a way to make it seem like they're doing something and they care
0: yeah um So I got I got the tea on that. Or I have, I guess, like, questions as well, because this is so great and all right, that TikTok is trying to take a stand against teenagers, social media and mental health. Like, really, they're the first ones that have really done anything big like this. But isn't it kind of sussy? that the EU just banned the use and upload of TikTok on any and all government devices in all three government institutions of the EU. Like the commission, hmm. the parliament, the council, no government device can have TikTok. And that's after the United States also made the same thing.
1: So it is I, very likely part of their PR, like positive, right? Like, yeah.
0: It is like
1: these are coinciding you're
0: saying like too much like same week information and it's just like you know ByteDance is a Chinese company we and I don't want to say but you know the United States and China do have disagreements on stuff and this is really the first app coming out of China that's collecting as much data as Facebook Twitter whatever which are all United States countries So is the fact that these governments are banning the app, do they know something about the tracking or are they as suspect to the tracking of TikTok that we all are? That's what Ooh. I think they're hiding.
1: Oh, God, that runs so much deeper than just like having convos with your kids, you know? like
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's gross, right? That people boopy. do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So welcome to the meat and potatoes of the podcast. It's Um, called Owen Asks. Owen, explain what we're doing (laughs) (laughs) today.
1: Okay, okay. Essentially, we were like, oh, we we, we don't have dad around. We're free to do podcasts on our own. We're like, what should we do? And I am less versed in the digital marketing space i tend to do more project management so i know that stuff but i don't know it as deeply as kaylee and kaylee's such a like incredible resource of knowledge not only from the news but also just the like craft i guess um or skill set
0: person as a human being who i am
1: knows so much shit about this (laughs) shit and so i was like why don't we do an episode where like I ask you the burning questions I have, the myths I've heard, and also collect from our our own social media some questions that you all have about digital marketing, how it works, what's going on in the world, etc., and present them to Kaylee.
0: Yay! So welcome to Owen asks Kaylee questions. Wow. Yay.
1: Alliteration. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, yeah, I put this out on my personal social because I am a ridiculous person. I got a large portion of responses that were also
0: ridiculous. Like I got two, so it was humbling for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I got like 17 responses, but like five per person and like progressively more (laughs) ridiculous like someone said hot dog and then I posted it with a dancing shrimp like this wasn't (laughs) so much for being as good at Danielle as Danielle at podcasting
0: it's fine we're we're the looks of the podcast yeah we are
1: (laughs) so I got a lot of interest in Al (laughs) in Al Gore's rhythm can he indeed dance do you know the answer to this question <laughs> this, is supposed to, this is supposed to this is where you insert a witty response
2: oh my god
0: i was just i saw al gore but i didn't read the rest of the question um does al gore have rhythm no there's a reason that he was with bill clinton who was the sax man it was to distract from the dad dancing but you know he did create the internet so right thank him for his work thank you thanks al gore (laughs) (laughs) there's
1: a reason he wasn't on dancing with the stars but anyway (laughs) more seriously i think the algorithm is like this mystery thing to us plebes, you know
0: Mm -hmm. Sometimes
1: it feels like our phones are literally listening to our conversations or like TikTok will suddenly know that I have ADHD, dermatitis, a Pomeranian and like all that other, all that other shit. So like, can you explain the algorithm for us? Do all platforms have different ones? And like, why does it feel like things I talk to people about at brunch suddenly show up on my phone like an hour later like is my phone listening
0: uh yeah so I'll take it from the top uh the algorithm is real that's what the website is but every website's algorithm is going to be different it's kind of like their IP the thing that makes them special they all basically are copying off of each other to try to figure out each other's algorithms if someone's better than another like I would say for a long time, Facebook's was the best uh, in terms of getting like targeted stuff to specific people, but TikTok's is scary, right? It focuses on like micro niches, but anyway, so they're all different, but what algorithms are is it's code that's on the back end of the website that's going to help increase engagement on your website. So it's what they've developed what they've developed on the back end to recommend to people to keep them on the website. Uh, so what, like YouTube will do is they will offer recommendations based off videos you've watched, similar things that you've searched about. Because you know Google and YouTube are one. YouTube and Facebook are a little bit different when it comes to like why they sounds like they're listening to us. But basically, what is it? What it is is it will track. Your behavior on an app, uh, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and whatever you are engaging with, they will continue showing that on your feed because you are likely to stay on the app the more times you see things you like. With Facebook, this has caused more of like an echo chamber with a lot of things where in like 2016, people were engaging in any kind of political thing because it was super heated. It was a very different political climate than a lot of people were used to. So, like, I know I was reading things that my cousins were posting about that were pro-Donald Trump, but I was also watching stuff uh, that was, like, pro-Bernie, pro-Hillary. It was kind of all over the board, but because I was more likely to, like, rage-read the things that my cousins were posting, my feed became so conservative, which is not my preference. Now, the difference with engagements is most people will think like, well, I didn't like it. I didn't comment on it. So what do you mean engagement? This could be anything from like on Facebook, reach is considered an engagement. So the Facebook algorithm organically will show you things if you have stayed on it for like two to three seconds. So like, it seems like you've may have read read it a little bit. They will show you things that are similar to that. Wow. But engagements also include, like, clicks. So if you click read more or see more to read the rest of the caption, that's an engagement. If you're clicking to see the picture get bigger, if you're clicking the video open, if you accidentally do it, that's all engagements that feed the algorithm.
1: Did, like, did Facebook come up with this when they create... Because were you on Facebook before the news feed? I remember when they created newsfeed and I was like what the fuck is this my whole world has changed like did they create
0: algorithms or is that that I mean they created the Facebook algorithm uh which I mean I guess it's kind of the first time that a social network really had that newsfeed feature because like Myspace and Zanga you really only were following people and you only saw people's pages so it wasn't like you were seeing new stuff all the time it was like what message board responses or like whatever on facebook you had this news feed to again keep people on the app and that would be a zuck thing he zuck. he's more of the ip behind like the facebook algorithm but google has their own for search youtube had their own that google now owns and google has integrated their search feature into youtube which is why people feel like youtube ads are really oddly targeted Actually, they don't they
1: don't like crosstalk like because so like i'm presuming facebook and insta will cross share algorithm mm-hmm. stuff but then they won't be sharing that with like tiktok or or like your google searches aren't going to show up as in the algorithm they're not going to like pick up that data in
0: uh with tiktok no from what i know tiktok doesn't have the capabilities of listening social listening i will call it as facebook and google because things that Facebook and Google are able to do is track people if they are on similar Wi-Fi networks. (gasps) So that's kind of where the concept of it sounds like they're listening to me thing is, because if hypothetically (laughs) the three of us broads were ever in a room and we're (laughs) talking about something pedro pascal whatever and danielle doesn't know the latest thing that pedro pascal is in she would never she knows so (laughs) she googles the last of us because we're all on a shared wi-fi network me and you could get served ads or videos for the last of us what yeah is
1: that is that how we do like i know that we do like location targeting in our advertising is that part of that Like. Where no, you can like creepier. <laughs> oh, it is.
0: <laughs> geotargeting is literally you were in this space for a period of time. So I guess kind of where it will be able to track like you were in the Wi-Fi of that area. But I do also think geotargeting is like satellite targeting. You have been in that area. I oh, know... so like
1: we saw that you and your phone yeah. were at this bar. And so were these people looking up these things or does it work yes. like that?
0: yes. I know it sounds terrifying, but we have used it. That's how we've been targeting for pride is we target like LGBT safe spaces, bars, whatever. And that is like the best we can do for targeting the LGBT com- community without being like offensive about it, honestly, with like, yeah. like through Paul, like shit yeah. like that. We're not, <laughs> totally. it would be better with the geo-targeting, but yes, in as it is, it is scary.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's super, super interesting. So I think I'm going to go even more basic here on you, which might make it harder, but I feel like people don't know what digital marketing is literally. Like, I don't think I knew before I started in it. It feels really nebulous. It feels like there's like a million jobs under this category. We don't know how to tell people what we do. So, I'm wondering if you can define it, but also like share your thoughts on why it is we struggle to define it and why, like, advertising like Mad Men style people like get and respect, but like digital marketers don't seem to like hold that same understanding or like clout,
0: maybe. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, feelings. Um, <laughs> so digital marketing is marketing tactics that are digital channels. So it's under the marketing umbrella, but you have traditional marketing, which would be like in-house TV ads, newspaper ads, billboards, traditional mad men style. Digital marketing is going to be, uh, like I had said, digital channels. So social media, email your internet usage. So search, you're searching on the internet. You're also on websites. So display ads that you're seeing all around there, that's all digital marketing. Back when I started in digital marketing, which I think was like kind of the early years, social media managers were still very much interns um, and not people that just don't get paid well like like now like now um but we were still very specific of someone did social media and that person was a social media person we had an email person which honestly was like pr which now pr and marketing kind of have like a weird coinciding of what is what when it comes to like social media and email usage um newsletters would be part of email obviously but then you have search engine optimization, so making sure your website is compatible for people to easily find it if they're looking for things on Google, Yahoo, or Bing or any search engines. There are also third-party engines that people use that aren't Google, which is shocking, but yeah, the, you can <laughs> advertise on those to people who might not trust Google. What's been really obnoxious over the past few years is like there's a marketing manager who should be managing all the marketing which at this point in time is a lot of things yeah because you have social media you have email you have paid search you have display ads and that's all just digital advertising that's not even digital marketing you have nurturing emails newsletters And a lot of companies are still expecting like one person to just do all of that.
1: Like organic too, right? Like, yeah. And
0: organic paid organic, whatever that should be one person. Maybe they'll have a digital marketing versus digital advertising person, but like it tends to be one person or agencies make it so that your account manager is that one person for every, for whatever. We also have, the one thing that's difficult is we also integrate a lot with like website design. That's not technically mm-hmm. digital marketing, but we work a lot with the website. I already got to the part of it being so difficult about why we can't say our jobs. Like mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. these all used to be individual jobs. They were specialties that people knew. And now they have become so necessary in your day-to-day marketing tactics that it's expected still for one person to do all of the things because most people don't want to pay for specialty anymore.
1: Interesting. Uh, so so you've kind of noticed like maybe like 10 years ago, it was like one person per section and that worked because things weren't quite so- I'm saying like,
0: like five years ago.
1: Five years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. right. You're younger.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And so, you know, digital marketing itself is not that old, but- yeah. Yeah, just five years ago, I was a social media manager, but I would be in charge of building organic strategy, running ads, building out entire strategy plans with our team. And then all of that just became a three person team that was, I think, the user experience team or customer experience team. And they were now expected to do all of that. Like the one woman I worked with that was doing paid search. Now also is helping run social ads, also doing display ads. Like it's yeah, very much a thought that it should all be in one. And I guess this goes into Mad Men because Mad Men, you're only looking at creatives. The whole show is only creatives. It oh would be God. only people making ad copy and graphic design. That's the only people you're seeing. Well, you have the sales team, you have the accounts team, P, And Ken, you know, they're keeping things running. But Don is just a creative. Can you imagine? To have, to be able to speak to clients that way without them being like, I don't get it.
1: (laughs) And just to do the creative portion. Like, I mean, that sounds incredible, but instead you're right. Like, and it's almost, it's like two people I notice maybe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the value around strategy like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like people don't value it until they realize their strategy sucks. And even then, when they start to pay for it, they still are like, well, I don't understand it. It's like, it it feels like, I don't know. What am I, what was I saying? Do you yeah, understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. I get like a lot of people just look at marketing as more tactics. You're doing a whole bunch of tactics and there's not necessarily any like storyline into why we're doing these things it's just you need to do them but I'll talk about like a great example of a social media strategy alone was Duolingo and their social media manager took that app to the next level literally because she was just posting silly TikToks but here's the thing the strategy was that she was making the company seem approachable to people and that like learning another language is easy and fun and like everyone's doing it like we have this stupid mascot let's keep making fun of that type thing and it like they're one of the best i would call them one of the best brands on tiktok right now but there's like a purpose she was on the app every day looking at trends seeing who is engaging with things and there's like a purpose to why they were doing those tactics
1: right right really fucking interesting
2: yeah hi i'm jordan you don't know me and that's fine i want to recommend something to you that you'll love it's owen's debut poetry collection dead name and it's available for pre-order now Dead Name is a collection of poems that shares the coming of age of one trans and queer person in the new millennia, yet it echoes across all identities to show how embracing the liberating and revelatory act of queer love and transition can not only free queer people, but all of us. Here's what poet Kieran Hodgers had to say about it You're going to want to sit down for this. Put down whatever else you're reading and call in sick to work. Name is a pulsing, vibrant, and necessary collection that heralds the vivid, visceral experience of heartbreak, joy, wonder, confusion, and hope. Technically astute, creatively playful, and emotionally honed, I am angry at how incredible these poems are, and that is the highest compliment I can offer. So if you like to be mad, sad, happy, moved, and just generally feel things while supporting a queer and trans podcaster you know and love, pre-ordered dead name from right bloody uk today find the link in our target snarket social channel bios on youtube tiktok and instagram at target snarket okay i'm
1: gonna switch gears again thank you okay. this is a this is a dark one we're gonna talk oh about i got it i got a question about shadow banning like oh god what is it what isn't it what actually happens like what do we know about it first of all and what have platforms said about it and then anecdotally i feel like there's a gap like between what platforms say are happening and then anecdotally what particularly like minority creators mm-hmm. are saying is happening yeah um but then like sometimes those people will still show up on my feed telling me they're shadow banned so
0: yeah Take the wheel, Jesus. So, shadow banning is kind of not real. It's real. I think it's real. I think platforms do devalue people based off certain things. I don't think it's a person doing it. I don't think there's a someone looking at content being like Mer. I think if anything, it's probably the AI of the algorithm just doing its thing. And that's how it works, you know. Like I said before with the algorithm, they push out what's engaging. So while technically a company might have guidelines that's against, like, I talked about it in this week's newsletter, actually. While there's guidelines on every single social media platform against, like, sexually charged content or adult content, you will still see, I saw even yesterday literally on Doc's Instagram, my dog's Instagram, a video of a man and woman, both white, I will say both thin, making out and the woman like dry humping his leg. Oh my God. And it's like, what am I looking at? Yeah. On my dog's account? Like, and I looked at the account of who it came from and it was like meme czar or one of those big quote unquote meme accounts where they just push out things that are going to get a lot of content because it's a bot. So Instagram specifically and TikTok, I also believe if there is content that is super engaging and people are engaging with it, which could go along what is called sensitive content, which is searchable. You can look it up on Instagram of what sensible sensitive content is. Uh, it could be violence-based, sexually charged. Uh, anything that's usually not guideline appropriate and you can still get those on your explore feed you can change your search on your explore feed to get more of that content so if you have a video of like do you remember world star videos of people just beating the crap out of each other and stuff
1: oh my god yeah
0: yeah so you could have videos of that getting a lot of traction on instagram even though it's against their community guidelines because it might slip through the cracks, quote unquote, for listeners, yeah. because it's getting a lot of engagement and it's keeping people on the app and it's peep- keeping people going back to the app. Now, the issue is the there are people slipping through the cracks, but there are people who are getting violations for silly things. For example, a lot of the marginalized communities would be Women of color very specifically are affected by this. LGBT accounts could be trans men, trans women, just lesbian, gay, whatever. Most anything where like you and your partner are kissing could be considered like sexual charged content and your, these certain posts will not get the reach that the rest of your profile does. And that is where people are like, this got shadow banned it's all of a sudden these influencers who might have 100,000 followers are only getting like five likes on a post all of a sudden when they used to maybe be getting 500. A lot of people will post on their stories like, are you even seeing my content to see if they're getting shadow banned? I know an influencer out of Jersey City, Miss Giggles, uh, her account was deleted uh, ultimately for a period of time because she's a plus size foodie. She takes pictures of a fat body, and you know sometimes she has lingerie. Right? Oh my god, she's killing it. She's beautiful, amazing. But like, follow, follow, follow. <laughs> but also, like, it would just be her eating food, and all of a sudden it's like this fat woman eating a pizza is sexually charged. But every other food influencer is doing the same content. Well, and that's I think
1: what is so interesting is that like some things get pushed through and not flagged. Hmm. It's who does that is like the question. And so you're saying that like this is almost modern monitored by AI, mm-hmm. which I find interesting because we've had a lot of conversations about AI that gets thrown out. And then within hours, it's racist, sexist, mm-hmm. fat homophobic. Yeah. So do you think that that might be part of the plays like this is coming out through that
0: route? I generally think that if, and I'll put if, because in my opinion, this is how it works and I'll say it works that way, especially, well, I'll get to that later, but like when it comes to the algorithm, if AI is watching and churning out the explore feed and everything, you'll see a lot of like thin white cis people, specifically women, a lot of the times, like Little influence, you know, Kardashian esque ish, Mm -hmm. because they get a lot of engagement. Whether it's bots comment on them, whether it's creepy people commenting on them, whether it's people who are trolls that are commenting on it, people go like, damn, I go to a Kardashian page if there's any drama. Oh, yeah. Like, I am a. Even when Kanye posts something crazy, like I will go to his page and be like, I need to see this with my eyes. Not great. It feeds him into your algorithm, which you should not do. But I am a sucker for that, for sure. Oh, so, I'm
1: like wrist deep in like Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez oh, on TikTok, my TikTok right now. TikTok
0: uh-huh. is all like all Jelena Haley Bieber stuff.
1: Oh, my God. Over laminated brows. Like, literally, I can't.
0: Have you seen the new theory? though of Hailey Bieber being in love with Selena Gomez and marrying Justin because she's obsessed with Selena. Oh
1: my god, I haven't, but like the most recent TikTok I watched about it because of the imitation. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. Please, please get together.
0: <laughs> I like <laughs> I like that storyline. I do too. I'm <laughs> I'm is. choosing to believe this. Yeah, I would choose love over girls being catty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, thank you. I feel like I mean that leaves me with like more questions than answers, really. Well, like, sounds
0: like a great part 2.
1: Yeah, exactly. Maybe we <laughs> should discuss you should listeners should let us know if they're interested more in shadow banning. Um I'm going to move into the section where we got some myths. Okay. and would love for you to address these myths or maybe confirm that they're true. Okay. One is very on brand for us, I feel like. If a brand takes a stand on a social justice issue, they will lose half of their customers or if they don't say anything, nobody will notice. Go.
0: I brands will get will get more Uh, engagement from more people if they make a stand rather than not doing anything. I'm sure brands think liability-wise that it's better to not make a stand, but ultimately it would be better for a brand to make a stand because you are now kind of doubling down on a target audience, and especially if you're doing good as well for that audience. But like- I talk about Ronald McDonald House is one of the best like brand activisms, in my opinion. They really don't do a lot. The most times you maybe see them are from fundraisers of people doing stuff directly for them or the little box when you get your McDonald's where it's yeah. like put a dollar in here. But they are so known within like they provide housing for children or for the families of children who are going through cancer treatments or like life changing surgeries. And so Like, they're providing just such a big service to people that hospitals tell them to go to the Ronald McDonald House. Like, they're where they will point them in that direction. And I think that's more important than, like, a vodka brand doing queer bartending for fun. For fun. (laughs) For funsies.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, you ready for myth number two?
0: Yeah,
1: Reach ads are the best way for me to reach a lot of people all at once.
0: I mean, yes, it is the best way to reach a lot of people all at once. <laughs> um, is it the best use of your money? Absolutely not. There, You cannot do anything once someone has been reached. You can get an estimate of how many people were quote unquote, reached, but there you <laughs> cannot retarget anyone. You cannot be like, "Oh, anyone who reached me, follow my account. no. You lost their information. But yeah, no, it it gets you in front of a lot of people at once.
1: But then nothing from there. What, does it work from like, oh, uh, say, like an awareness perspective? Like are there times when you do want to use? reach as your KPI or whatever.
0: There are times uh I would use reach if you have a list of people that like if you have an email list and you want to get a specific message in front of a specific group of people fast, I would consider it. But unless you're like the president trying to get a nationwide message out to the people, there or Mark Zuckerberg telling people about an update. There's no reason for it.
1: What about boosting? How is boosting something different from? Because you know this is how they I get like angry. But I know that. <laughs> <not
2: something. laughs>
1: well, listen. Like it, I, I just remember when I was a small business owner and I was on Facebook. It was more of the platform, and they would just be like, they were pushing boosting posts yeah. down my throat.
0: They were pushing boosting posts down your throat because it's easy. It is so, it's very simple to get a boosted post out. I used to use it. I used to boost posts um, when I was a college intern for the Susan G. Komen Foundation for their Walk for a Cure for Mother's Day. I only knew like boosting a post before I met Danielle. That is fine. It's fine if it's all you can do. But if you are a business that is trying to reach a specific group of people or have a specific like objective in mind of like, you want to generate leads. You want people to go to your website, get into ads manager. Boosting is not going to give you the tracking or the targeting capabilities. It'll give you a third of the tracking or targeting capabilities that ads manager will give you. In terms of uh, zip code targeting, in terms of uh, uploading an email list, interests, job titles, you will not get that in a boosted post.
1: And do you feel like the little bit of effort it might take, I'm presuming you're going to say yes to this, but the little bit of effort you might take to go into Ads Manager, figure it out, and put something out there would be worth it versus just boosting something? Well, no. <laughs> um, I didn't. You're think, like you're like hire somebody. To
0: do honestly, <laughs> if you're really expecting a lot to come from your Facebook ads, I would hire someone. It's so it would be worth it to hire someone to run your ads because ads manager can get difficult. I have like high level developer knowledge now because of like pixels and stuff, and so it can get very complex. It's just, it's that complexity you kind of want when you're like, oh, we only were like a small accessory shop that is only for people who like urban outfitters or like free people and things like that.
1: I think that leads really nicely into something I wanted to talk about, which is small businesses. Like in general, I've worked for a lot. I had my own Mm -hmm. and Getting small business owners to understand the value of like digital advertising, social media, and invest in it is like often like to be frank, pointless <laughs> in my experience. Like but yeah. I it, like when I owned my own, the efforts I put into social media, for example, like really did pay off, I felt. That but I very rarely... happy to hear. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I worked with Danielle actually at the time. On an itty bitty, like little posting calendar, you know. <laughs> um, but I rarely had the time was a huge thing. Yeah. And um the the budget, I rarely had the budget. Mm. And when I worked for other small businesses, like tracking like especially organic social media's impacts to the actual bottom line for the business was really hard. Like it was hard to convince people of its value. So I'd love to know like your experience with this, your thoughts on small businesses and the value of digital marketing for them. And like, can you do much with a small budget? How small is too small? How much effort is too little effort? Like, and you should just like get off social media altogether. Like, what do you think?
0: So when it comes to, I started with a lot of small businesses, uh, I think One of them was like an e-commerce lotion company. And the truth of the matter is when it comes to advertising, if you don't have the time, hire someone. The budget you only need, I would say, max $10 a day at minimum when it comes to Facebook, $1 to $2 a day to run an ad that can give you, yeah, to give you a large, like, to give you a huge following. A fo- uh, reach that you can re-engage with, like you don't need that much money. I was running multiple, like a full what's, marketing funnel of awareness, consideration, lead generation. I would run a full funnel campaign for $300 a month back in the day. Uh, to be Like able as your
1: to- management fee or as the like... For ad spend. Ad spend and then but is the for the management fees can that get kind of pricey or
0: well yeah because like digital marketers know your worth and you're worth a lot like so management fee is where a lot of people are most where small businesses will pay will be the management fee and that tends to be why they don't work with someone is because they don't see well I'm putting in three hundred dollars plus paying your let's say 500 a month, like management fee. I'm not getting as much ROI, but it's because like $300 is not going to give you 600 in revenue, but it will get you people to your website. It will get you a following on social media and it can get you at least like five leads a month minimum. Like, and- solid. That's a lot of stuff that you can use, you can reuse. and but it's very, I don't want to bad talk small businesses at all. I completely understand how every dollar matters when you're a small business. You are just for the a lot of the times you are just trying to keep the doors open. but there are so many people who have invested the time into social media. Whether it's hiring an assistant to post all of this stuff for you, that it's benefited for them in terms of sales, in terms of, I used to have a client in Rhode Island that just got so stoked because they were recognized at a at his kids like baseball game from a Dude. Facebook ad, and he was but, like, "We're doing it, man! We're,
1: <laughs> we're big time." Well, and I think too, like, it's hard because small businesses they don't have like and this isn't down-talking, it's like the sophistication of the sales funnel, of the Mm -hmm. data tracking, of all of these things that could tell you social media or digital marketing's working, they don't have that. They just have Mm -hmm. in their little heads as a business owner what they think the impact is. And yeah, it's really easy to be like, I'm gonna shave off this person's effort or this person's pay because it's not doing anything. But when you think about like five leads a month, like, you can
0: do a lot with that.
1: It pays itself, you know, mm-hmm. but it it is really hard that it's, it's still really downplayed as being important.
0: Yeah. I would say if you're a small business and you're looking to run Facebook ads, if you are comfortable with it, 1,000 is a great start a month if you can do that. You will get like a lot more than five leads a month that way. If lead generation is what you're focusing on. But if you're just a small business that wants to get your name out in front of us, you want a certain TikTok you posted to be sent out to a specific audience, $10 a day for a week, you will get over 100,000 views most likely.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Like, I would have loved that. (laughs) I didn't listen to Danielle, though, when she was like, you should do all this stuff. But wow, you were a real I mean,
0: client. <laughs> I was a real
1: client. I wasn't too bad, but I mean, I, I really just understand from the business owner perspective, but now I understand from this side of it. And as I was like transferring worlds, I was like looking back on the small business world and being like, oh my gosh, if I had known yeah. if they would listen, right? Like I think to like being on social media in general, like it's it's a lot of work. Which brings me into, into one um, question or something somebody else brought up. I, maybe it was a myth, but like posted posting quantity
0: mm-hmm. being
1: the ticket versus like quality and like how to balance that if you balance it or if the answer is like no, quality all the time or no, quantity all the time or if that changes per platform, for example, um, can you give us some insight into
0: that? Yeah. So it, in my opinion, it depends on what you are, uh, what the person defines as quality. Is it a lot of views? Is it a lot of leads? Is it like, what are you defining it as? Because we've had people who are using these platforms to get like a certain message or piece of education out so, we're utilize- so if you're utilizing the algorithm by posting like a TikTok trend once a week, it's so people see you aren't going to get those bigger views on things that like people don't regularly engage with anyway. So for a digital strategy that way, if it's the purpose to get education out to people or like events out to people, it tends to be a mix of like, one quality over the rest of the quantity to make sure that you're constantly on a feed. But if you're like posting for engagement, if you're a content creator or like your Duolingo and part of your strategy is that trendy aspect, quality would be a chosen, would be what you're focusing on instead. You would be learning from what has gotten you good engagement in the past and focusing all of your efforts on that.
1: Okay. So you're saying like, if you have, I'm just going to like mirror this back to you to make sure I understand. So like, if you have like an event or you're trying to get brand awareness, or you're Mm -hmm. trying to educate people about harm reduction or something, like quantity does matter. Like you want to be in front of them a lot and it may, can, can quality therefore suffer if you're right like maybe the graphics aren't as beautiful or maybe like the videos aren't as long but it's just like yeah go 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 versus if you are trying to have a more long-term strategy get lots of engagement yeah nurture i guess people through yeah quantity is gonna trump or quality is gonna i keep mixing them the fuck up i know you are repeating it
0: back Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quality is gonna trump quantity. Yeah, there we go. Quality
0: is always important. You always want things that are going to be engaging. But if you have other messages that you need to get out there, you are going to have to be consistent with your posting. Yeah. To put it in like influencer terms, like it, the DeMeo sisters they were posting dances to whatever was trending and they would post every day, but that was because their goal was to hit like 10 million followers. Is that your goal from it all? Then yeah, only post those high quality dance videos because that's what your goal is. If your goal is to get sales and stuff, but also like, or not sales, like donations, education, things that's more brand awareness or just like, hey, we're here. Like you have to be consistent with your posting or you will get lost in the sauce.
1: That's so interesting because I remember you've spoken to clients about this before because we've had clients be like, I want millions of followers. Followers are the thing. Mm -hmm. We want to get followers. And you kept being like, yes, followers are great, but it's not the thing. What you really want to do are reach these people in this particular community and get them to do this thing. And that doesn't necessarily mean 10 million it's going to be the ticket might, or
0: yeah it might not be 10 million people you want to reach them
1: yeah so is there a way in which like someone could try and reach 10 million followers and still not like they could reach that goal but then not actually meet their actual goal
0: uh yeah i mean if you're i it's actually a really big trend now with small businesses to the extent that it's getting cringy in my opinion of uh literally social media interns using trends to be like i work at a car dealership and my boss wants us to go viral on tiktok and it's i like, sent
1: that to you i sent one to oh, you like yeah, yesterday
0: you yeah that <laughs> was
1: it the auto shop with the weird fucking yes yeah. i also
0: saw another one of um a someone on the boat where it's like a boat just slowly going through on in a green screen <laughs> And it was again for a car dealership. Like it has, <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, people will look and be like, oh, it's a car dealership in Kansas. But does that matter if it's people in Boston being like, oh, this is a car dealership in Kansas? No. <laughs> like, and I didn't, it
1: didn't make me follow them. It didn't make no. me, like, I didn't even check where they were. So that's a really, really excellent, excellent point. And like to that point, I think we, have had clients want to work with influencers and they kept shooting for these influencers that like were huge and expensive. And there were local influencers that were less expensive and probably more um, in tune with their target audience. And that was like a battle we've, we've had to have before. I've had
0: that battle so many times. Everyone wants The Kardashians, they want, you know, whoever is big in the moment right now or who they think is big in the moment. But it's like, is that who you're serving? Is that who is coming and doing the programs, buying the pizza, doing whatever? Like, (laughs) no, there'll be more trust, especially because influencer marketing is about trust. And I think this is totally Something we should talk about soon is like trust if it's going away or not. Is
1: that degrading? Yeah. Yeah. But
0: that's what the whole concept is, is whether I won't trust a Kardashian post, like I, Mm -hmm. if they're all just promoting each other now, maybe back in the day I would, but like now it's, oh, this is like someone who looks like me or has similar opinions or needs as me and it's working for them. That's what I want. And that might be someone that was only like 10,000 followers.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, that's it. Those are all the myths oh my gosh that-, so
0: that is our pod. It's it, we, we did it. it. Oh my gosh. We're Thank so you good. so much for tuning into today's episode with Owen and I. I hoped you liked it. We busted myths. We talked shit. It was great.
1: <laughs> it was so good. Yes.
0: Well, we hope you learned something new today and made you have a think about something or maybe you just like really enjoy listening to us speak on your daily commute, which would be a first. I've never heard people like my voice. So Um, be sure to like and subscribe us on YouTube to watch our faces like us on Instagram and TikTok for our highlights from our episodes. Uh, memes, I make memes. They're fun times. Uh, fun. let us know if you agree or disagree with what we talked about today. I mean, it's pretty all over the place. I mean, there's some people that are going to have really strong opinions. And guess what? We want to hear those opinions. Sure do. Disagree. Yeah. If you disagree with us, tell us in the comments. Give, really give it to us. Um, just kidding. Be nice, please. We are so please. gentle. We're so, <laughs> like,
1: super <laughs> sensitive, actually. Like, not that
0: <laughs> It's fine. Keep feeding our super sensitive algorithm monster. And yeah. <laughs> hey, bye. Thanks
1: for tuning in to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast brought to you by Broad Digital Consulting. Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Owen Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital. That's B-R-O-A-D.digital. Or you can find us on social media using the handle at snarket Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing.